Earlier this year, Al Ahli beat Al Hazem 1-0 in a league game of the Saudi Arabian second tier. That game went unnoticed by majority of the world. But this season, that's a completely different story. This summer, these two teams have been promoted to what we now call the Saudi Pro League in front of an international audience after a summer that was dominated by astronomical bids for players like Lionel Messi and Kylian Mbappe. Now, they may have been unsuccessful in landing those mega stars, but much has changed. In June, a new footballing pyramid was announced in the kingdom, and the premier sovereign wealth fund of the state, also known as PIF, also known as the owners of Newcastle United, are now taking the helm at the league's four major clubs. The league saw the teams increase from 16 to 18, in a league that's now attracting worldwide attention. The Kingdom of Saudi Arabia, of course, led by MBS, still a state known for a litany of human rights abuses, wants to change its illustration of Saudi Arabia, and as expected, isn't afraid to splash the cash. The more I read into this, sport really matters to the Saudis. I mean, 70% of their population is under 35, and this youthful population knows that they are limited with their reserves of fossil fuels. So they want to really diversify that economy through elite sport. Now, we've seen a summer where big signings like Roberto Firmino, Riyad Mahrez, Edward Mendy, Alanson Maximan, all joined several clubs in, in Saudi, among a, a list of megastars. We are now witnessing an inescapable reality of vast riches almost dwarfing what its Middle Eastern neighbours, Qatar and UAE, have done. Welcome to the Saudi Pro League. So, Rochelle, first question from me. Where the fuck is this league come from? That's a, that's a really good question, and the honest answer for you is I have absolutely no clue. I mean, they've been around. Everyone knows they've been around. These, these teams have existed for a fair amount of time before we had all of these players... Going there, you had the likes of uh, Xavi, the current Barcelona manager, who was, for some reason, managing in Saudi Arabia. Don't know how, don't know why, but he was. He left. They realized, oh, wait, we need to probably make this a big thing. And like you said, they've gone out, splashed the cash on a ridiculous number of players. And now, all of a sudden, they're, they're a talking point. Everyone's talking about them, and here they are. But you sometimes feel this happened with the Chinese Super League as well. I mean, we were all excited about what this new big force in world football is, buying out, you know, players on, on, on massive wages and, 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 and putting in bids to steal, you know, scout players out from the Premier League. But we also what happened there, you know, that, that sort of crashed and burned. Yeah, uh, I, I think that's the most common comparison that's made when talking about the Saudi Pro League, like, hey, the Chinese League, whatever the league was called, you know, tried to do this before as well. I remember, I mean, I can't say I was excited about them. I couldn't really care any less about them. But they did try to make waves. I think they, they landed uh, Oscar from Chelsea. And I think, yeah, if I'm not mistaken, he was like, yeah, I think he was like, what, 25 when he made that move? Like, he's, he still had pretty much like his entire career in front of him and he was playing yeah. in a Chelsea team that was reg regularly you know 
uh, challenging in Europe. So to go from there to the Chinese league, it was baffling. But, you know, like he was he was getting paid a lot more money than he ever would from a club in Europe. So he took it and can't really blame him financially. Other players did it. I think if I'm not mistaken, Falcao did it as well. I think so. Although, I, I do don't really remember. remember. Yeah. Hulk, maybe, from, uh, Hulk. again, from Hulk Brazil. Hulk did, yeah. Right? Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, the Chinese league tried all of this back then. It didn't work out. I don't really know exactly why it didn't work out, because no one really talks of the Chinese league today. No one really wants to go to the Chinese league and play anymore. And they've very swiftly been replaced by uh, Saudi Arabia, who are pretty much taking the same approach of... Uh, splashing a lot of money on wages to tempt players to come and join them. And so far, they've been a lot more successful than the Chinese league has, simply because of the type of players that they've signed and the number of players that they've signed. And I don't know, I guess time will tell whether, you know, they'll fizzle out the same way the Chinese league did, or if there's, you know, if this is just like a stepping stone to something bigger. You make a very good point. I mean, the Chinese Super League did crash and burn uh, not much after it was, um, uh, you know, started. And and the Saudi League is following a similar model. They are splashing the cash. They are offering uh, massive life-changing money uh, to players in most elite leagues in the world, including the Premier League. Um, as far as I could tell, you know, there are four... They they have their equivalent of the big six um, as a big four. So they've got Al-Ahli, they've got Al-Itihad, Al-Hilal, who I am I was familiar with because they played Chelsea in the Club World Cup, so we know they're pretty successful. And Al-Nasser, you know, primarily Al-CR7, some would say. So you, di- you didn't, you uh, didn't uh, think it would be right to start with Al-Nasser? All of the Ronaldo fans are going to be really, really upset with you right now. Well, you know, like I care, like I care, you know, they're, they're, they're number four for me, primarily because CR7 is part of the team. So, um, oh, interesting. Yeah. Um, but interestingly, uh, they were all taken over by PIF or the public investment fund that also owns Newcastle. So, um, you know, whether that's, uh, I don't know, a monopoly there within the league, only time will tell. Um, they're both based in the biggest um, cities, so two are based in Jeddah and two are based in Riyadh, the uh, the capital. Uh, but what I found most interesting was a lot of these teams have several connections to the Premier League. Um, Al Ittihad, for example, uh, managed by Nuno Espirito Santo. I mean, how that man managed to fail his way upwards, I will never understand. Um, he's probably getting paid a hundred million a year now after managing Tottenham Hotspurs. And um, to be honest, they've been one of the most successful teams over the last two years. They've they've conceded what thirteen goals in over thirty five games, uh, which is which is an incredible defensive record, right? Um, and now he's just gone ahead and added Karim Benzema, N'Golo Kante, and Liverpool fans will love this Fabinho to their ranks as well. I mean, Benzema did get injured in the first half of his debut, so yeah. We'll they see, also we'll gave see us how fo- that goes. they also gave us forty million for Fabinho, so that's yeah good for us, I guess. Yeah, good in a way that it started, uh, you know, the whole Caicedo saga. But yeah. Um, yeah. we know how that ended. 
But yeah, forty million nonetheless for for Fabinho is, uh, is something Liverpool will consider a profit. Um, I think Al Nasser, as you said, uh, runners up in the league last year, uh, where Ronaldo failed to win yet another trophy. Um, they've had a, they've had influx of talent, just like the others. Obviously, Cristiano Ronaldo being the headliner, not just for Al Nasser, but also for the Saudi league in general. Um, and he's helped attract a lot more talent over this coming window. Sadio Mane being one of the other big names. Um, I've I've watched a few of the highlights, and they they seem to be combining really really well. Um, it's someone. Um, ironically, that Ronaldo trusts and passes to, of all people, uh, because he knows the caliber of striker there. Um, obviously, I mean, it's, uh, you it's, know, it, Ma- it is because Sadio Mane is the better player. I think everyone knows that. At this time of both their careers, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think Ronaldo's lost a lot of pace, and you know, Mane's situation in Munich didn't help him. But uh, I, th- I think he might find a nice home here in Saudi Arabia. Uh, Brozovic from Inter Milan. I think he's another good, def- good defensive midfielder who's joined. Uh, you know, reached the Champions League final last season, so that's 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 an accolade I think before he left Europe. Um, and then uh, I think there's Man United, ex Man United, Alex Teller. So quite a, quite a few stars um, donning donning that team. Al Hilal, uh, the other team. I think, like I said, I know them from the Club World Cup. Uh, they are Saudi's most successful team the the sort of the liverpools and the man united's of the league if you will you know 18 domestic titles um and 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 also you know won the champions league of asia uh to get to the club world cup which is the team that neymar joined because i remember reading about his contract that was offered to him by whichever club it was and it was this i think it was al hilal yeah because it was an absolutely ludicrous contract i mean I, I don't know how much of it is true, but at least what was reported was just absolutely insane. Yeah, I mean, it was something in the in the order of two hundred million a year, which which is kind of what Ronaldo's getting, right? That's Ronaldo yeah, but money. it's not it's not just that they've also you know given apparently uh, given him a mansion with like in house stuff full time. They've given him like three or four luxury cars like Lamborghinis and Bentleys and stuff like that. They've given him a private jet where he can go pretty much wherever he wants in the world using that. And the the things that really topped it off for me were two things, two conditions to his contract that I read. Uh, you know, two not conditions, more like provisions. One was anytime he's not at the club, if he's outside on his own on his days off... His food and drink will be covered by the club, which I don't know why, because it's not like he's not earning enough, but apparently they thought, you know, that would be okay, that's great, let's just pay for his food and drink. I mean, how how will he ever manage, you know, without that? Yeah, he's, he's just not going to survive. It's, 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 a, it's a rough world out there. Mm. And, and the, the final thing was he'd, he'd be paid half a million promoting... Saudi Arabia on social media for every post that he makes half a million wow that is ridiculous well i mean if if they have the cash right use it well i guess um we were kind of all laughing at ronaldo a few months ago when he said he wanted the saudi league to be the fi- well he w- he was expecting the saudi league to be the fifth best league in the world or even in europe you know both both were pretty pretty much pipe dreams at that point 
And now we're all left eating our words when, you know, you never know, but the next season will define how this league grows in the world. And I and I feel like it, they may actually make it. I, I really don't think so. I really don't think they will. I, I think no? that's just Ronaldo talking big. I mean, look, when Ronaldo put out that statement or he made that statement wherever it was saying that he went to the Saudi league because he wanted to play with passion and, you know, he wanted to build the league and, you know, do all of those things. My, my favorite part about that whole exchange was literally like a few days later, or it might have been like a week later, uh, Igalo, the the former United striker, who coincidentally the United got from China, mm-hmm. he, he pretty much made a comment that said, anyone who comes to Saudi Arabia isn't coming for the passion, they're coming for the money because they get paid a fuckload to play yeah. in the Middle East. Yeah, I mean, it's it's 200 million a year worth of passion, right? Why not? Yeah, that's true. That's true. Passion comes at a price for sure. Uh, but yeah, I mean, other than that, I, I honestly don't know who's watching this league. Uh, I, I know about what happens in the league because on Instagram, ESPN FC, whoever the admin for that account is, has nothing better to do in his or her life. And they just keep posting about how Ronaldo is scoring a hat-trick in the Saudi league. And I'm like, yeah, I don't care. And I don't know how many people actually do care about it. But if if it were to happen, if they were to become like a dominant league in the world, it's it's definitely not going to happen anytime soon. Yeah. And it's not just players, right? I mean, even coaches and managers have embraced the cash. I mean, your your very own Steven Gerrard has gone to yeah. and, uh, our very now. own Jordan Henderson. Jordan Henderson, yeah, absolutely. all of a sudden... Uh, you know, uh, decided. Oh wait, uh, LGBTQ issues not not that important. Uh, you know, it's, no, it's no, like, exactly. Yeah. yeah, leave a leave a club in the elite uh, Premier League, uh, having spent twelve years here. Both of yeah. them actually take uh, both Gerard and Henderson taking their uh, mediocre talents to to um, to Saudi Arabia. Where um, and, and the the worst part is, the worst part is uh, something that I realized right now when you were talking about because I didn't really know about this. They're not even a part of one of the four teams that's True. controlled by PIF. <laughs> so, so they've literally gone to one of the teams in Saudi Arabia that isn't flush with cash. Yeah, I mean, uh, to be honest, they're part of the top six. So the, so the remaining two that are sponsored by other publicly owned entities in Saudi Arabia, but they're not PIF. You're right. Right. So obviously a, a grade below, if you will. Um, now, see, but that hey, is passion. That is passion. Yeah. That is going and playing <laughs> exactly. for passion. You cannot hold yeah. that against Henderson and Gerard. I mean, only 40 million a year. What, what will they do? They, they're going to be starving yeah. on the streets yeah, and, of and, Riyadh. And their, their, you know? their food it's, and uh, drink on their off days isn't even paid, paid for by the club. Not so paid. I mean, it's, it's, it's a sad life. They're, they're really struggling. Seriously. like, I mean, why did they even leave the Premier League? Um well, but, Gerard, you know, he was forced to. <laughs> Gerard so, was just looking for work anywhere, yeah. you know. It's like, um, I mean, we wouldn't be surprised if Lampard ends up in Saudi Arabia and we have to do another episode talking about Lampard and Gerard in the Middle East. <laughs> yeah, and then both of them ending firmly mid-table. Yeah. <laughs> even in the Saudi League. Oh, well. Um, but yeah, I mean, um, it's, it's, it's no lie that there have been several top stars from Europe's big leagues who've migrated there. Now we've named a few of them. How do you see this sort of exodus of stars changing? I mean, remember the fact that 
one one player we haven't mentioned in in this entire list with Messi, Ronaldo, you know, Sadio Mane, Mares, Neymar, Benzema, whatever, is Mo Salah. I mean, you you mentioned him briefly around a a, a, a sort of a bid that might have been made, but they they you know is it Al Ittihad? I think that have come up with so. a yeah. monster bid now, rumored to have come up with, yeah. Rumored, yeah, true, but um, around what 150 million something a year, and they're willing to pay 150 million um, in transfer fees as well. It's not an offer Liverpool can take lightly. I mean, I know the model FSG work on, but come on, that that sort of money, even for for Salah himself, you know, it's it's life changing. Here's the thing. I know that over the past few days, there, there's been a lot of talk about this bid that's been made for Mo Salah. There's not a single reputable journalist who's actually come out and said that this is how much the bid is worth. They've spoken about how there is interest in signing Mo Salah, but there's never been anything about a bid going in, you know? So that's that's one thing. And also, I'm, I'm not really surprised that this comes up because, look, here's the thing. I do expect Mo Salah to leave... Liverpool. I, I think it might be sometime next summer. I wouldn't be surprised if he goes to the Middle East, right? Especially with the money on offer. Uh, if it if it happens next season, it'll not surprise me. If it happens this season with like, what, three days right now at the time of recording that's left in the transfer window, that would shock me. As 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 big as Liverpool's blunders have been this summer, I, I don't think they'll top it off oh, by selling this, him. This will, be the, yeah. this will be the icing on the cake, won't it? Yeah, 100%. Um, uh, and, you know, it's it's interesting that you mentioned this because this is something that plays into one of my favorite conspiracy theories when it comes to, uh, you know, the PIF, the Saudi League, and, you know, Newcastle, of course, is it, it's, it's not just my belief. I know that there are a lot of people, especially online, who share this uh, opinion. And I, it's not, it's not you know, ground in any sort of uh, fact. It's, it's, it's a conspiracy theory, right? Uh, it's that... The Saudi Pro League and PIF are simply trying to poach players from the Premier League so that they can weaken Newcastle United's rivals for whatever their aim is. Like if it's if it's top four this season, they're going after those players, uh, those teams and those players, right? Uh, because the most interesting part about this, like the most coincidental part about this is uh, there were rumors of, you know, oh, Mo Salah having contact with someone from the Saudi league like a month ago. And immediately his agent came out on Twitter and said, nope, not true. We haven't spoken to anyone. And there's no desire for Salah to even leave Liverpool. And he shut that down pretty quick. And we went like two, three weeks without anything happening up until a few days ago where, you know, it was two or three days before we played Newcastle this past weekend. And all of a sudden, all of these rumors about a monster bid and a monster contract for Salah just sort of came about and no one's really uh you know no no reputable journalist at least is uh, reporting about it it's all just saudi outlets and accounts online that are talking about it uh yeah. coincidence maybe i don't know you know i love a good conspiracy theory i think this plays right into that but yeah i mean this is i wouldn't be surprised if at some point it was proven to be true I mean, conspiracy theory aside, even if it were to be true, I think uh, PIF are going about it in the perfect way. Like, look at what's happening 
personally, look at what's happening at Chelsea, right? With Todd Bowley coming in, a person who hasn't, and we've spoken about this extensively before, a person who has not managed European elite sport, trying to buy up all of these players and trying to buy MVPs in every position, as he would say. Look at look at PIF. They they own a club in the Premier League. They've almost turned Newcastle the situation at Newcastle into more of a recon mission to actually look at what the Premier League landscape is like and then, you know, almost report back to the kingdom in terms of this is what we need to do. This is this is this is not just how we scout and poach their players, it's how we improve the standard of the league to become better than the product that the Premier League's offering, right? Yeah. And how best to do that if you're in on the table that makes the decisions. You're one of the 20, you know, who 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 is a steering group for the league itself. I mean, yeah. uh, two, that's, two that's birds, just... one stone. Absolutely. And and obviously the cash always helps, like I said. Um you you mentioned Jordan Henderson. I mean, he you know, all of the LGBTQ plus community, I mean, all of that's going to really uh, come back as a slap in the face because um, he was he was a massive campaigner for it. And especially going to Saudi Arabia, a country that is, you know, had so much to do with um, human rights abuses, especially to um, marginalized groups of people. This is, and this and is groups just... of people that Henderson has advocated for for a, a good chunk of his career. Absolutely. It's not just like Absolutely. it's something that he's done in the past two or three seasons. Yeah, all of that just poof down the drain, right? Uh, and and that's that's what that's what I don't know forty million a year can do for you yeah. because that is that is life changing money. So we've we've talked about obviously we've talked about the league, we've talked about the players, we've talked about the allure of going to Saudi Arabia. Um, what are some of the things that 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 the Saudi league needs to do to disrupt football? Clearly, they're on their way to becoming a top five league wherever in the world or or in Europe, right? It, 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 now, nobody knows how long that's going to take. It may take uh, next season or it may take 10 years. We don't know. But the disruptive element is undeniable. They're, they're, they're obviously trying to change the way football is looked at in the Middle East. They're trying to one-up their neighbors in Qatar and the UAE in what they've done. You know, really trying to trying to take this to a whole new level. Is it just the inescapable wealth or is there other stuff uh, to it? I mean, Pep, Pep Guardiola f- said just last week in a, in, a, in a press conference that the Saudis have changed the football transfer market forever, right? There will, there will be no longer sub-100 million players and sub, I don't know, 20 million va- uh, wages anymore. That's, that's, that's just going to be a thing of the past. And, 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 and they are really pushing... I mean, the Qataris started the Neymar 200 million bid and the Mbappe 180 million, uh, you know, absurd bids. But what we're seeing now is mostly, you know, the Saudis might be the first ones to bid for a one billion pound footballer. Is that is that outrageous? I mean, on, on paper, yes. But when I actually look at what's happened in the transfer window so far, I don't know if you have this information on hand. I can't really think about it right now in this instant, but... Who's the most expensive player to have moved to the Saudi league this summer? Because I... Um, Mane? I don't know. Yeah, and correct me if I'm wrong. He didn't really move for like a big transfer fee. Like I'm trying to mm. remember 
a player who moved to the Saudi Pro League for a big transfer fee. And yeah. and I'm I'm drawing a blank. So to a certain degree I agree with Pep Guardiola in the sense that they've changed the landscape but they haven't changed the landscape by paying outrageous fees. They've done it by paying outrageous wages and that's that's really, you know, the the selling point for them and it's it's actually very smart when you think about it like they don't have to report their financial situation to anyone. There's no FFP yeah. or any anything. They could just as easily go to any club and say, hey, we want this player. We're going to give you just 20 million for him. But then go to the player on the side and say, hey, would you like a half a million a week contract? And then all of a sudden, the player, of course, is going to have his head turned. They're going to start you know, doing what they always do, which is try to force a move out of the club. And the club is sort of left with, yeah, we have to accept a 20 million pound bid for a player who otherwise would have sold for maybe 50 million or 60 million. And that's the that's the interesting thing with the Salah rumors, right? I mean, it seems like from what's being reported, they've actually approached, they've actually agreed personal terms with the player. Again, speculation, obviously. Speculation, I don't buy it. Who who wouldn't, which agent, even if your agent's speaking on your behalf, which agent would not consider a 100 and whatever, 90 million pound a year contract right of personal terms because you you're harming no one by saying yes to those because the club eventually has to accept a bid right but in terms of the if you look at it from the saudi angle i think half their job is done by speaking to salah now it's a question of convincing liverpool right and and they've gone about it the right way i mean right way is questionable but i would say that i i don't I mean the right order if, of things yeah i don't know if uh personal terms or anything like that have already been agreed with Salah because like I said it's it's not been any reputable journalist who's actually been reporting on this it's just been uh you know Saudi Arabian news outlets like Al Jazeera was responding you know reporting about it which literally no one else in the world was so you know stuff like that that's always uh, suspect but it's like I said yeah I would not be surprised if over the course of the season they actually do come to personal you know they do come to an agreement on personal terms with Salah because yeah, I mean, it's 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 a tricky spot for Liverpool as a club to be in because uh, Salah is 31. He signed a new contract, uh, you know, last summer. He has two more years left on it. Uh, of course, once the season ends, that means he'll have just one year left on it. So it's a question of, hey, do we renew his contract and pay him more? And in all likelihood, Liverpool are not going to be able to offer the sort of wages that he would, you know, potentially earn in Saudi Arabia. No club in Europe yeah. would be able to do that. Yeah, and... You know, uh, or do we just sell him for, uh, you know, whatever transfer fee we can secure? So it is a tricky time. Uh, Salah's role will obviously play a, 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 you know, a big part of this. His his decision. Uh, but yeah, uh, going back to one of the phrases that I love using on this podcast is "time will tell." Yeah, and the Salah thing brings up an interesting point around the transfer window. I mean, both. Klopp and Arteta, I think, last week brought up the fact that the Saudi transfer window is asynchronous to the Premier League, right? And they and they were strong. They had strong opinions about it because when you offer a player that kind of wages, their heads are turned literally days before the the Premier League window shuts, which is exactly what's happening with Salah. Which if right Salah now, yeah. were to yeah miraculously leave this season. 
it would be such a devastating blow to Liverpool because they wouldn't have enough time to bring in reinforcements, let alone someone of the caliber of Mo Salah or the impact yep. that Mo Salah has had for the club. So, yep. and and I I imagine the same thing is going to happen in January. So clubs are going to have to protect against players, um, uh, you know, finalizing personal terms and then leaving within days of the window closing. This is this is a warning to every Premier League club, not just not just players who have sorry, not just teams who have star players, right? And and uh, on the on the flip side, if you look at back in Saudi, it may look like what people call a conveyor belt model at the moment. You know, players looking at the you know past their prime, looking to get a few years of experience, earn life changing money, and leave. Ultimately, I think the aim of that league would not just be to splash the cash, but to bring in young talent like Kylian Mbappe or an Erling Haaland, right? Um, and 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 they're going to try and bring them much before they're thirty years old, and, yeah. and 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 that I feel will be the inflection point. That's when they could really become a dominating force in football. Right, but the question still becomes like, you know, all of this it's 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 happening right now as we speak. It's not it's not something that's happening in the future. But when you look at the way that this league is moving forward, the question is, can they actually do enough to somehow? gain entry to Europe. Could could we see a, a, a Middle Eastern team, a, a team from the Saudi Pro League, one day playing in the Champions League? We've already seen FIFA and UEFA involved in some of the most ridiculous corruption scandals ever. And... If Saudi's willing to offer that sort of money to players, imagine what they'll do to administrators or with administrators. Yeah, that's that's definitely true. Yeah, I I can sh- definitely see them being part of some sort of Champions League, you know, marquee external exhibition qualifying route to get into the Champions League. Um, and then and then compete there, and 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 Cristiano Ronaldo at the ripe old age of fifty two can finally win another Champions League uh, with a with a non European club. He would have completed the set, right? But I mean, jokes aside, I think you make a good point around atmosphere and quality of product. Right? The the the, the league itself is a product, but my question there was, can it can it get big uh, in terms of growth? Sure. It can because they've got they've got cash reserves, but can it get popular? Is the real question. It's like are are people as an international audience willing to watch the league? Are are hell are even Saudis willing to watch uh, matches on a on a on a weekly basis? Now, I read I read recently that that the league's uh, COO is a guy called Carlo Nora, right? So this guy spent about seven years working for the WWE in the US, the world wrestling entertainment uh, industry. And what he wants to do as COO is bring in a form of experiential entertainment, as I read it. Or he talks about the the, the importance of narratives, right? More than the match or the scoreline or the scorer itself, he wants to add like this legacy narrative element, like a story to the league, you know, of, of, of heroes and villains and and kind of um, uh, uh, champions and, 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 and giant killers and so on and really bring 
give teams personalities. Now, whether that's going to increase atmosphere and you know uh, increase viewership, I don't know. But they're they're trying a different approach. I'll give them that. Look, I'm going to be very honest with you. You lost me when you said WWE because all I could think of was a money in the bank uh, tournament. Yeah. And I just pictured Cristiano Ronaldo running across the field with a steel chair trying to hit people. <laughs> imagine that. Like, like imagine um, a 15-man tag team Royal Rumble. Yeah, I, I, I stopped paying attention because I had different things going on in my head. There's definitely a money in the bank Oh, tournament coming and who knows the winner of that stupid suitcase might be the team that gets to go to the champions league the champions league exactly what a what a what a way to qualify right and 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 i mean uh, when you when you mentioned um, <laughs> when you mentioned a route into europe i i thought about la liga i mean don't don't la liga host uh what is it their copa del rey finals in saudi arabia and qatar and so on they do they, like a one-off don't they, where... they, they they've been wanting to yeah. play games in the u.s for some reason which i will i will never understand the the rationale behind that but yeah it's it is what it is yeah and um i mean it's, it's very interesting because right yeah. now in my mind what i'm thinking about is we spoke about them getting entry to europe now one of the things that you know, could potentially be a stumbling block in their entry to Europe is if they do sort of become a part of UEFA in a way, they will have to comply with FFP, right? That's oh, something yeah. that the Saudi oh, League yeah. today does not need to do. In Europe, they will have to. Now, of course, they could go and, you know, get bribe administrators, like you say, to look the other way. And it is incredibly likely given the reputations of UEFA and FIFA. But what I would really love for them to do is over time reduce their wage bill and have that money in the bank tournament where the winners not only get access to Europe, you get your big blockbuster contract as a part of that stupid suitcase. So only one team will have the mega money contracts. <laughs> You're not going to let this go, are you? I, I, should, I should look up if the WWE is hiring. I'd, I'd be good. Oh, yeah. You, you should start, you should go and work for the Saudi League. You know, go and pitch Money in the Bank Royal Rumble tournaments to them to just assign players. You know, maybe maybe you have a transfer window frenzy. You know, where you have twenty players pitted against each other. You just just pit um, the managers against each other. Just oh, have well, just well, have Steven Gerrard take on Nuno Espirito Santo. <laughs> look at that! Look at that! Look at that level of mediocrity. And and you know what? Just to, just to throw in all of the other. Just to throw in all of the other sports washing ventures that, you know, the Saudi uh, regime is involved in, have it be a part of a golf tournament. Oh, yeah. Their showdown will be a golf tournament. The winner of that game gets to do whatever. I don't even care. It's, it's, it's funny you mention golf because Saudi Arabia is actually into majorly into golf. I mean, they're, they're not just stopping that's, that's at football, right? That's why I mentioned right? it. Yeah, yeah. One of their major investments exactly is, is a golf league. Uh, and they're paying, you know, people like Phil Mickelson, uh, like two hundred million dollars, almost like Ronaldo level money. I mean, he is kind of the Ronaldo of of golf, so so it makes sense to 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 earn that much. But yeah, they, they're 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 trying to. I think they they. It's like if we can't compete at sport on a global level, bring global sport to us, which is yeah. um, which is insane. And and 
the reason I think that the Saudis are serious about this and they will end up getting into Europe is I, I read that they've um, they've paid for five new stadiums to be built in Greece and Egypt, apparently, in an effort to co-bid with them for the 2030 World Cup, the Football World Cup. Um, yeah, yeah. They're already hosting the Asian Games, the Asian Winter Games in 2029. Why you would host Asian Winter Games in Saudi Arabia, I will never know. But hey, money talks. <laughs> because right? because they don't have winter. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and and it's potentially the most pleasant winter games you could ever have. Oh yeah. Oh absolutely. Yeah. People just instead of instead of like snowboarding down snow, they just like snowboard down like the dunes. A sand dune. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Sandboarding. Yeah, they're going to invent new sports now. Um, but hey, yeah, yeah. I mean, um, if, if they can do that and get their name on the roster for the Olympics or the World Cup or the Asian Games, then what's a little bit of FFP? You know, how's, how's that going to stop them? They'll just, they'll just rewrite FFP for $200 million a year, you know? On that note, we hope you enjoyed this episode and you'll tune in next time for another one maybe we'll have a royal rumble here who knows on the pitch life podcast maybe saudi will sponsor it we really hope you do please saudi please please sponsor us anyway we've got loads of more episodes coming out over the next few weeks as we go into this crazy premier league season as always make sure you follow us on instagram and twitter and don't forget to subscribe and listen to full episodes on apple Podcasts, spotify and all of your other favorite streaming platforms Until next time, it's Mihir and Rochelle signing off on The Pitch Life.